0: And uh, what a different story today would be if um, Jesus didn't rise. I would, uh, I would not be saying he's risen, he's risen indeed. It would be more like, well, he's dead and he stayed that way. You know, like it wouldn't be a very hopeful kind of thing. In fact, uh, we probably wouldn't even talk about him. We wouldn't talk about it. Uh, it would just be another... Recorded crucifixion from the Romans, who were so good at doing it. It wouldn't be, there wouldn't be monuments to Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be singing all these songs about him. There wouldn't be churches across the world talking about the life and death of Jesus Christ. It would just be, well, a non event, really. It'd, it's just another death. And uh, we wouldn't need the rest of the Bible, just kind of wrap it up there. A few short statements from the disciples, maybe a where are they now segment, we could just wrap it up, a few quotes, it was fun while it lasted, uh, do you remember when Jesus said he'd rise, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> miss him, but he was crazy, it would be that kind of thing, it, wouldn't, it would be a real non-event and uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Easter story today, the key things you need to know is that Jesus Christ came to earth, sent by uh, God, his Father. He came to die for our sins. Uh, On Friday, the Good Friday, uh, he was crucified on a cross. And on Sunday, uh, the Bible tells us that he rose again. They're your main points that you need to know. That'll get us through our sermon. That's also known as the resurrection. And uh, it's not... um, If we think that there was no resurrection, we can wrap it up and we could all just go have a nice family lunch. But that's not what the Bible tells us. It actually uh, records so many uh, eyewitness accounts of people Jesus revealed himself to, accounts of 500 plus people who saw him after his death. And the Bible claims that Jesus not only died, but he rose again. Jesus died and rose again. But the risk here is that if you've been around church for any number of years or time, you hear this and it starts to sound like a cliché. Jesus died and rose again. And um, once it's a cliché, it kind of loses its power. We kind of, oh yeah, we know that. And almost like we just say it because it's a thing to say or I don't know. But for a moment this morning, I just want to look at... The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the eyes of a woman named Mary Magdalene, who knew Jesus' death and resurrection to be anything but cliche. We see Mary in all four counts of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see Mary. And Mary was a woman who served and ministered to and with Jesus. She was a part of the group of women who helped provide for the needs of the disciples. She was also no stranger to the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. She was a woman who was healed of seven demons. He put her mind straight. She was insane. And he gave her peace. And it was this Jesus that she found her purpose. And in this Jesus, she found her life calling and fulfillment. And every gospel says that early she rose to go to the grave. Early she rose to grow. Three days, her, her master had been dead now. She would have gone the day before, but it was a Sabbath. And you couldn't go then. You needed to rest. By law, you had to rest. I doubt that her mind and heart was in any rest. I'm sure whenever she closed her eyes, she would see the images of the cross How could she not? This woman who had been delivered from seven demons, how much allegiance would you have to the man who finally gave you peace? Oh, Mary had not just heard about the cross. She was there. She wasn't only there at the cross, she was there when when they walked into Jerusalem and the palms were laid and people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, our King has come. She was there in the synagogues when he was teaching and people were gushing over him and trying to press in and loved him. But she was there in Pilate's Hall and saw and heard the religious leaders clamoring for the blood of the one who is precious to her heart. She listened to Pilate as he pronounced death, sentence of crucifixion, although he found no fault in him. She witnessed and wept as Jesus left the hall, spat upon, ill-treated, a crowd bloodthirsty. How much did they know that they would need his blood one day? And then she saw him led out to Calvary's fatal mountain to be crucified. She was a witness to the nails in his hands. Oh, the ringing sound of the hammer coming down on the steel would still be ringing in her ears. The whips that had torn the flesh of the one who had made her whole, the cries of agony from the cross would have still been ringing long after he took his last breath. This was anything but cliché to Mary. She would have seen as the soldiers were gambling over her master's clothes as though he wasn't even around anymore. She was there as Jesus, though fully God, revealed his full humanity through the heartbrokenness of a son as he hangs on the cross And he looks at his mother and he pleads with his friend, take care of my mother. I can't look after her anymore. I've got to go. Mary was one of the sorrowing group of the holy women who stood as near as they possibly could just to relieve a little bit of his agony, to know that people who love you are still here, Jesus. And Mary listened with a broken heart to his bitter cries and watched those dreaded last hours until the Roman soldier thrust his spear into the Savior's side and declared him dead. In the renowned picture gallery of the Louvre, there's a painting of the night of the crucifixion with these words, the world is wrapped in shadow, the stars are dead and yet in the darkness is seen a kneeling form. It's Mary Magdalene with loving lips and hands pressing against the bleeding of the feet of Christ. Yes, she was there when they crucified her Lord. It's no wonder that all four Gospels say early, early she got up to go to the grave. As soon as she possibly could. The poet talks about Mary In his last lines of a poem, he says, She, when disciples fled, could dangers brave, last at the cross and first at the grave. Oh, this woman had no cliche kind of love for this man. It was not, I just died and rose again. Woo! She was heartbroken. And she got up early in Mark's gospel in uh, chapter 16. It'll be on the screens for you says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Siloam, brought spices so they could embalm him. They were going to the the grave to embalm him. Very early on, Sunday morning, and as they rose, they went to the tomb. And they worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the grave? It was dark. And these women, this wasn't a... uh, This wasn't a triumphant, get up early because we're excited kind of thing. This was a, we have nothing else. What else could we do? And they're talking amongst each other. Well, how are we going to get into the grave? How do we get to Jesus? How do we get to him? There was a huge stone put across the grave. and, And even more than that, there were Roman guards guarding the grave that no one could go in. And I wonder today if any of us are like this. Hands full, they they were going with their spices. they were trying to do something for God. I, I, don't, I don't know, he's dead. I, I, I've got my tradition and I've got my religion. And hopefully that will just spice up the dead thing that, uh, that we're going to. It's just a distant memory. But we kind of talk and go, well, how do I get to Jesus? Even if I bring my best, even if I bring my tradition and my religion, and how do I still get to Jesus? There's always going to be something between me and him. My my sin is going to stop me from getting to a holy God. The stone was too heavy for them to move themselves. Even if they had the strength to move it, it was then guarded by military who would remind them, you can't go in there. How much is that like our lives even if we did the best we possibly could to work our way to Jesus, our sin would still remind us, you can't go in there. What a different day it would be without the resurrection. And what chaos they had in their hearts. Their minds would have been so tormented and they were so downtrodden There was no My Redeemer Lives on the way to the grave. And I wonder if we can identify with the heartbrokenness, depressed, dreams crushed, hope taken, feeling like walking in darkness, bringing the best with God only to find it's not good enough. To move the stone between us and real joy, us and real peace, us and real love. we just keep falling short. Who will move that barrier? It says in verse 4 to 5, Then they looked up and they saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone and they walked right in. They looked up and they saw the very thing that they couldn't do. The very thing that they couldn't move. The thing that they were not strong enough to do alone. God said, it's already done. Walk on in. Walk on in. And this morning, if you're trying to work your way to God, do things, try harder, trying and trying, trying to do all this stuff. Be a really good person. Be really kind to each other. But you still can't get to him. I want to tell you that the thing that you can't do, God has already done. We could not work ourselves to Jesus. He had to do the work for us. And so often we kind of get to the tomb and think, no, 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 this, no, I have to do something. I've got to do something to earn this. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, but by, it, it's been, by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not of yourself. It's a gift. Not by works so that anyone could boast. But we cannot get our head around this. We, we think, nope, I still have to do something to get here. I'll move the stone a little bit more. What about if I'll go in and I'll tidy up the tomb? But even the tomb, the rags were folded neatly. It was as though God was going, there is nothing left for you to do but believe. You can't push that stone any further. You can't clean that tomb anymore. It's totally empty. Nothing of your spices will do anything. Just your belief is enough. Just your faith that Jesus has risen from the dead. That's what I'm asking for. It's a gift. And as these women brought their tradition and their religion, the resurrection takes tradition to transformation. It wipes out all that dead stuff and brings life. In John 20, we read the resurrection account. It says, early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after and entered the tomb, observed that the linen cloths were lying there and the handkerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separately, neatly folded. The other disciple, the one who'd gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence and believed. No no one yet from the scripture That he had to, no one knew yet from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. And the disciples went back home. But Mary, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she knelt and looked into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white. One at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her and said, woman, why do you weep? Come on, Jesus. You know why she's crying. Don't be coy. He knows why she's crying. He's so concerned with the conversation. He's so intimately involved with her heart and wants to understand her. He doesn't want to just walk in with, I'm here. <laughs> He's concerned about her heart. Why do you cry? And she said to him, thinking he was the gardener, Mister, if you took him, Tell me where you put him so I can care for him. You're going to care for a dead body, Mary? A dead body, what are you going to do? But how, it sounds crazy. You give me the dead body and I'll take care of it. You know, dead things don't need to be taken care of. But so often we have our, uh, we, it's everything we knew before. This unforgiveness, it's dead, I know. This bitterness, it's dead. That, that broken relationship, that divorce, that affair, that addiction. I know it's dead, but it's all I've got. Just give it to me. Just give me his body. I know, I know he's gone, but he was everything to me. My identity, everything was wrapped up in that man. Just give me him. And Jesus looked at her and said, Mary. Oh, that old familiar tone. He said a name. And she said, oh, Rabboni, my beloved teacher. Now in Isaiah 43, it says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you go through the rough waves, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. It won't be a stone that can't be moved. Because I'm God, your personal God, the one who knows your name, the one who paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. I'd sell off the whole world just to get you back. Trade creation just for you. I know your name. A couple of Easters ago, I shared the story of Jose and Goma. And I love this story because there's no better representation of the love that God has for you and I then this story. I love it. So if you, you know it, just give me a bit of grace here and I just want to go over it again. But there's a story in the Old Testament of the prophet called Hosea. And this guy had uh, kept himself, meaning he had no wife. He was all for God. He was just you are my, my center and my focus. And it came to a time one day when God said, It's time to take a wife. He's like, Yes, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> he says, That one. Sorry, that. that per, where? That one there. That. Goma, that prostitute there on the corner, that's your wife. Oh, God, surely you're mistaken. I have kept myself. I'm all for you. I'm pure. I'm clean. I've waited. She is. She has been. She's not clean. She's stained and, and, and broken, and, and she'd given herself away far too many times. Not that. Not her. Yeah, that's your wife. Is so he does what God says and he takes her as his wife. And all it's going well. It's going great. They have kids. They have their own home. And then uh, one morning, they just he wakes up and Goma's gone. She's just gone. She might have been out getting breakfast, but it took a really long time. Like we're talking months. She didn't come home. Kids were asking, where's mom, dad? People in the village, "Where, where's your wife, Jose?" And God speaks to him again and says, go find her. I think the thing that probably kept him back was he knew where she was. She'd gone back to that old life. Was his love not good enough? Was it not good enough, the home he'd provided, but she'd... She'd left and turned and went back to the old life. He knew she was back in prostitution. He knew she was selling herself into the lusts of the world. And and he goes to search for her. What a messy search that would have been. Dark places. Streets a man of God shouldn't have been. Knocking on doors. You see my wife. She's working here. And then on one day he walks in to an auction. Busy. People yelling and clamoring and, and he and he's trying to see what's being sold, what what could possibly being sold. And there his wife is, Gomer in chains, being sold as a sex slave. And he goes to the auctioneer and goes, that's my wife. I don't care who she is. She's got a price. But she's, what price is it? And Jose pays a price of 15 shekels of silver and barley and homer. And he takes his wife and lets go of the chains and he puts clothes on her again. And I'm sure her head was lowered with shame and embarrassment. And instead of going, now, listen here, he lifts a chin, goes, hey, 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 don't cry. I'll be yours and you'll be mine. I'll love you and you'll love me. And if you run again, I'll search again. And I don't care how dirty you've been or how stained or how broken. I'm going to love you back to perfection. And this is what God is saying to us. He says, that's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'll sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade creation just for you. I don't care how dirty you got. I don't care how broken you got. I don't care how much spices you're trying to spice up the dead things of your your life and trying to cover up the deadness. I will bring transformation through the resurrection of Jesus. I love you that much. I love you that much. But it's only by the resurrection. Death alone didn't cut it. He had to rise. Because dead men don't break chains. Dead men don't roll stones away. They don't bring hope to the hopeless. They don't bring peace to anxiety. They don't bring deliverance to addiction. They don't bring restoration to brokenness. Only the resurrected Christ does that. Oh, you want Jesus without the resurrection? Forget it. It's religion. But you want the resurrection? That's when you get real life. And while we're still sinners and there's a debt we couldn't pay, The stone that we couldn't move, God rolled away. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this Paul's talking to the church, and he says, Now let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. And not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. We'd just be lying. He goes on to say, Corpses can't be raised. Then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering around in the dark, lost as ever. He's talking to the church and going, well, did he rise or he didn't? Because if he didn't rise, then none of this is worth our time. But if he rose, church, if he rose, then that deserves our life. I love that it says you'd be wandering around in the dark. And we've been talking about these things all we can, about the broken Stained pieces of our lives. You guys did good on some, on Friday. This looks beautiful. But you'd just be wandering around in the dark without a resurrection. But in Acts twenty six twenty three, it says. Moses said it would happen. One, the Messiah must die. Two, he needs to be raised from the dead. And he would be the first rays of God's daylight shining on people far and near, both godless and God-fearing. We can bring out brokenness, but it's not until the resurrected King shines His light through our lives that the beauty comes back into it. It wasn't until Hosea took Goma out Of that auction hole and broke off the chains and dusted her off. Did she become whole and beautiful again? And the thing that we're trying to do, work our way to God, is nothing. It will result in nothing. It would be like spices on a dead body. But the faith in the resurrection is what changes things. In Romans ten nine, it says this. And if the Ben would come, that'd be great. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. What does that mean? There is no difference between us. God's love is no respecter of gender, race, religion, sexual orientation. It is no respecter. His love is enough. His love will break every single chain. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God if you believe in the resurrected King of Jesus Christ. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, it's no cliche, church. I'm so thankful for Jesus. And when you hear today, He is risen. It's not a Christian cliche, it's the very source on which we base our faith our faith in Jesus. Because if it didn't happen, He's just a good teacher. Not the Redeemer, a Teacher. But in the resurrected Christ, we find the name Redeemer. We find the name Conquer, Conqueror, Victor, Overcomer, Healer, Deliverer, Saviour, Companion, Friend, Everlasting to Everlasting, Omega and Beginning and End. Resurrected King living inside of me, it's through the resurrected Christ. And these names that we know of God, we know and love, they find their place, fulfillment in the finished work of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love that um, Paul, in a few verses on after was questioning about, well, if Jesus... Didn't rise. Actually, I'm going to read it. It's not on my. In 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, Some skeptics are sure to ask, well, show me how the resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? And if you look at this close, question closely, you realize how absurd it is. There's no diagrams for this kind of thing. We do have a parallel existence in gardening, though thanks Paul, you plant a dead seed and soon there's a flourishing plant. There is no visual likeness between the seed and the plant and you could never guess what a tomato would look like by planting a tomato seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it doesn't look anything alike. And the dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes from it will be dramatically different. I don't have the answers of how the resurrection worked for you this morning. I can't draw a diagram. I can't explain it logically. But I know that there's a supernatural power in my God who raised my King, my precious King Jesus Christ and moved the stone away so that I could always walk in. And he goes, it's been done. Walk on in. Walk on in. And if that is you this morning going, I don't understand. But you know your heart's going, oh, oh." that's him going, I know your name. I know your name. And I'd trade the whole world just to get you back. If we can stand, we're going to worship. But just before we do, I would love to say a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. And this could be the 50th time or the first time you've ever heard this. But I'd ask if your church would join with me in praying to invite Jesus into your heart. And if this is you going, all right, Jesus, I have done all I possibly could and the stone, I can't move it. I'm ready today for you to move that thing that's between me and you. And I'll do, the only thing I'll do, I'll just believe. I want you to say this with your whole heart, because it says, if you call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today I ask you today to come into my life.. To come into my life. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your, forgiveness. I, accept your blood. I accept your blood. And I declare the victory of the resurrection. Declare the victory of the resurrection. Holy Spirit come and live in me. Holy Spirit come and live in me. Teach me. Teach me. Walk with me Walk with and you. show me your ways. Show me your ways. Thank you. Thank you. For securing my eternity. For securing my eternity. I will serve you. I will serve. You for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. In Jesus precious name. In Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.